My name is Adam Martin. I am the founder of FI Project. I'm a five-time felon and I know what it feels like to be released from jail or a treatment center or a detox or a homeless shelter into nothing. And so the idea was like, could we do a better job by providing services in an F5 fa fashion, which was the function key on a keyboard, which was like refresh. So like every time we met someone, what would it look like if we treated them like none of that existed? So F5 Project is a nonprofit organization. We help people who have uh, addiction issues, homelessness, mental health, and ultimately try and give them a chance to change. I had seen some trends happening with peer support where people with like real lived experience, they were going back to where they came from and they were helping people out of those situations. There's no better way to get over the stuff that happened to you in your past than to go and help people who are currently experiencing it. Talking about today, Ricky. Yeah, we're going to talk about uh, parenting and recovery. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I was like, Adam just had like posted that in our group chat for those. Like, so I was like, oh, sweet. Yeah, I'll just swap out a topic yeah. and throw that one in. Works. We just started off with like how we feel guilty about <laughs> dropping our kids off at <laughs> daycare. <laughs> just so we can have a day off. <laughs> it's true that overwhelming all the noise sometimes. But now that they're older, it's different. But you guys are, you have younger kids. And you just a side note before we start admitting all our faults, you guys are great dads. <clears throat> I've watched you in action. You're just really good at it. Thank you. Yeah. I'm. I'm. Uh, I'm. Uh, like wait for bad. Hey, so we're not on the radio, so we can talk normal now. So <laughs> I'm like I'm like the dad that like waits for shit to happen, and yeah. then I just like I'll be like you know like when. Uh, baby Ricky threw up on Ricky mm -hmm. and I was like I thought he farted and I was like damn <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, that's the kind of dad I am I'm waiting for like the chaos to happen and then I'm just gonna be a spectator and just laugh my ass off uh, yeah. that's way to do it otherwise you worry for nothing <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, oh, man. you never see coming and one time I was sitting at the counter with my youngest who is a smart ass he just is like he's super witty and quick but he was probably five and his brother was six and a half running across the floor and tripped and like face grinding on the floor slid oh, no. he just looks up from coloring and he goes well i didn't see that coming and that's kind of <laughs> all life. like well, i didn't see that coming and didn't plan yeah. for <laughs> Yeah. Well, anyway. Ricky, this is your your first kid, yeah. right? Yeah. Yeah, you'll get all the you know, I so I got four I got four kids. I wasn't I was still drinking a lot when I with my first one. Mm -hmm. I didn't get sober until he was 14. So he probably saw the worst out of everything and the the not present dad. My second one, he's 14. I'm almost 10 years sober, so that first couple of years he doesn't remember it but he but you know he doesn't uh so he doesn't know any of it you know really or experience any of it and and then the last two kids have only known me sober and i'll tell you you can tell where i'm at where i was at in my life at each one of those kids you know <laughs> nick is just my, my oldest boy is just like me he's identical right like just can't he can't not say something 
you know, <laughs> like he just, if, if we are going back and forth and he says something and I say something, he won't let it go. Like he's just the same. So it's kind of like, I imagine me and Nick are kind of like if you put two Alexas in the same room and ask them a question and they just go in this constant loop. That's me and him. And then Brecken is, he's uh, 14 and like, uh, I don't even know how to explain teenagers, but they're teenagers. And so, you know, your, your boy, your, your second born, Kirsten, his, his personality and the way his presence is identical to Brecken. Oh yeah, he's fourteen. Also, just very—I don't know—they're thinking a lot. I think at that age, but they're quiet. But if I ask Sawyer stuff, he'll answer, um, and he'll be honest, which is nice. I guess I was never honest with my parents. So, yeah. um, but how was? Uh, tell tell me more about like when Nick was young and how you, um. Like Nick's story, kind of, because he turned out to be a really badass kid. But yeah, he's a uh, well, you know, thanks to his mom and then his foster parents, and you know, and him himself, he's really grown into being a good young man in the last couple of years. And um, but early on, I mean, we were, you know, I can't really talk much about his mom's story or whatever. But my story was is that I was just like in and out of his life and a lot of abandonment issues to you know, drinking around, you know, it was just, I was, I was 17 when she got pregnant, mm -hmm. you know, and I was 18 when he was born. And so not only was I like dealing with like alcoholism, I was 18. Yeah. You know, so like, I look at my son, I look at him now, he's 23. And the last couple of years, if he would have had a kid, I would have lost my shit because I was just like, I look at him like you're just a baby yeah. and it's not until now now that he's 23 and he's like more mature and stuff I could see him having a kid now right I would be like I'd be okay with it now I know you do a good job but prior to that I just but when you're 18 you don't feel <laughs> no. 18 you know you know it all so, yeah I he he saw a lot I mean there was a lot of trauma a lot of you know, mental and abuse or whatever, uh, of manipulation and gaslighting and, you know, just the stuff that we did when we tried to survive, when we were deep into our addictions and alcoholism and, you know, uh, a lot of pride and ego. And, you know, thankfully we, we all made it out on the other end and we're all, you know, better people, you know, I wouldn't say necessarily because of it, but because we made it through, yeah. you know, and, uh, and so now he's he's he just turned a I think a year sober. Yeah. And he doesn't drink or do drugs. He's working in sales and he's like pretty much engaged, you know. So it's oh, cool. it's cool. It's, <laughs> and yeah. I've known you so long that I babysat him. <laughs> yeah. That's cool that but um did you feel all like if you loved your kid enough you wouldn't You'd quit fucking around. And... Yeah. Well, I I think from the time I was 18 to when I finally did get sober when I was like 31, like I made a ton of decisions to like get sober. <clears throat> and and I never, it never happened. I mean, it happened for short, brief periods, but it never, 
you know, in all the times that I made a decision to stay sober, or if you would have taken a lie detector test and said, I love my kids more than alcohol, like it would have said I was telling the truth. Or if I said I was going to be sober, it, it would have said that I was telling the truth. There's really no difference between the day I was 18 saying I'm not going to drink anymore to when I was 31 and said, I'm not going to drink anymore. The only real difference is what happened after that. I, I meant it with my whole heart that I was going to stay sober. And, you know, it really just came down to the effort and the willingness to continue to do that effort. Right. Because yeah. usually shit hit the fan or something mentally, or I got in a bad situation and I was just like, and I always convinced myself like, like I wasn't as bad as I thought I was. Mm -hmm. And then I was like, I'll just have a couple or I'll just drink beer or I've never done heroin. I could try that. <laughs> you, know, uh, <laughs> you know, whatever you, my mind would just get fixated on. And then you can pound it with ADHD. And it's yep. like, I think, you know, God, I think there's a high rate of people with ADHD and alcoholism. Yeah. Uh, just the, the dopamine, you know, the, well, I just, it's hard to explain, but it's like a Lamborghini on a dirt road. And when I drink, I feel like I'm on asphalt. Like it just yeah. does That's something for me. <laughs> good way to say it yeah it's a unfortunately it's still seen as like a moral failing like you know but it uh um i don't know it's just important that like i do love my kids i would take a bullet for them but i can't get better because of them i would maybe take a bullet for my husband i mean it depends on where you're gonna shoot him you know <laughs> but uh, so have you like obviously because you guys have like raised i mean you know as a new father and new father and relatively new in recovery do you see your parenting styles now in recovery different from your parenting style than in like when you were active because yeah. you, you guys when, talk about like like yeah. you know like it doesn't sound like there was really any difference i mean it yeah. was but yeah i mean if you if i Here's the thing. One, I'm here. Right. Yeah. Right. That that was like the big change is that when I was drinking, like, and left Nick with his mom, uh, like she she was full dad and mom duty, you know, like I was gone. Right. Like I would disappear for weeks at a time, and and come back and just act like nothing happened. Like I was a real piece of shit to her for a really long time. Like she she deserved way better. <clears throat> what I've done in recovery is like, I learned, you know, I had, I didn't get Nick back right away. Uh, it took some time. It took about, I think I was probably 14, 15 months sober when that, when that started to happen. I feel like we, I'm going to suspend him. <laughs> I'm going to ban him. <laughs> um, Hold on. I'm adding him. Let's see if he actually jumps on. <laughs> he declined it. <laughs> oh, I was trying to bring Nick on. Um, yeah. So anyway, uh, um, in recovery, I like, I just kind of like got sober and then not long after had Brecken coming over on the weekends. And I had to, I think I had to learn more on 
how to co-parent than I had to learn how to be a parent, right? Like it was kind of like, you know, let's keep this kid alive. Let's make sure he's fed, entertain him, you know, because it was the weekends. I never, he didn't have a ton of responsibilities on the weekends. And, um, and so the goal was just to like keep him alive and then learn some lessons on the way. And, you know, we were both pretty independent guys. So we'd just like sit on the couch and just watch movies or whatever um, uh, and try it. You know, we just kind of winged it. Right. Like it was just like two guys hanging out. One was just happened to be older. <laughs> and so, <laughs> you know, over time I had to learn that, you know, uh, from his, you know, Brecken's mom and, and now, you know, Christy, uh, uh, Galling and, and Kinsley's mom, like I've had to learn more how to be a, like I said, a co-parent or a, a parent with someone else. than I probably had to learn on how to actually be a parent if that makes sense, mm -hmm. you know, how, like, cause it, you know, and I struggle so much with it, right? Like I'm, like I was saying earlier, you put me and Nick in the same room and we're just like a loop-de-loo of Alexa. Well, it's the same way when like I'm in relationships is like, I've had to learn, you know, that uh, first thought wrong <laughs> yeah. when I'm emotional, right? And, and it doesn't always work. And sometimes I'm going to be completely transparent. I've probably put more holes in drywall sober than I ever did drinking. Yeah. And the reason why is because I don't have any, there's not any immediate relief like there was with alcohol where I could just leave and go get drunk and feel better, you know? And I mean, the <clears throat> shitty thing with that is I would stay drunk for weeks. Right. But in recovery, like life is real and it's present and it's now and, and, saying I'm sorry does not feel good mm -hmm. you know or doing the right thing doesn't always feel good right. and so the last place I started to see recovery happening was was the place I wish it would have happened first and that was at home mm -hmm. super easy to just go to meetings and get a sponsor and and right. you know completely disappear like I did back when I was drinking you know, right. yeah, and just go to a bunch of meetings and I'd talk to a sponsor and be like, oh, this, yada, 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 this person, this, that. And they're like, well, you should probably pray about it and go to a meeting. Okay. And then I'd go home and the issue may be with my significant other. And then I'm disappearing for weeks at a time. And now who is she going to get resentful at? Right. AA or the program? Yeah. Because I'm not any different. Yeah. Hmm. So. Yeah. What are your ideas parenting, Ricky? You've never now that you're starting out, I want to know what you think it's going to be like. Yeah. Uh, I mean, it's okay. I, I had no idea. Like, everything I've read and talked to <laughs> people who just offer unsolicited advice, like, yeah. I was not prepared for the chaos at all. Like, I thought, I mean, I was like, oh, okay, my life is pretty chaotic. Like, you know, I can I can navigate. I can I can manage just fine. But, like, it's a whole different level of chaos with him. Just because I, I never know what to do. And, like, there is no instructions. Everyone's like, oh, try this, you know, suggestions for that. Like, at least, I think, to Adam's point, within recovery, like, I can read a book. I can talk to my sponsor. Like, I kind of, like, get some, like, direct guidance. So, like, okay, because this is someone who knows me. But, like, when I'm holding King and I'm, like, looking at him, and if he's just wailing his head off, and I'm like, I changed you, I fed you, I don't know what else to do man like like you know this kind of like just look he's looking at me trying to like 
like figure it out and i'm looking at him like you figure it out right like it's like how am i like i'm trying to like negotiate with a, i think he's what six weeks almost seven weeks old it's just like i don't know what else to do man but i think the the biggest blessing that like once he stops once like once he stops crying once he's kind of like you know when we like yesterday he uh he was able i <laughs> i gave him a walnut <laughs> to grip because he has like really like 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 just seeing him like process things like for the first time is just one of the most incredible things that i that i didn't read about and i was like okay this is parenting this is like just helping him navigate life and just keeping him like it's more than just keeping him alive but that's always like all right your, your mom's gone. She's out running errands. Just like stay alive till she gets home, then she'll figure it out. And it's like, no, I actually like know what I like. I, it's more than just keeping them alive. Like I know how to keep them alive, but like now it's just like, okay, let's navigate this thing together. Let me just teach you new things that I think you might want to know, and and it feels really good because then it's like, okay, cool. I taught you that, or I showed you this, or I'm doing that, and that is like making me feel proud. Like I'm finally. I mean, yes, literally six weeks in, I'm finally like feeling proud as a dad that I didn't feel before. Mm -hmm. I didn't feel that when she was pregnant. I didn't feel that, you know, some people were like, oh, in the hospital room, once you have the baby, once you hold him, like I didn't, I didn't have that sense of pride then because I, I didn't do anything. She did all the work, right? But at that point when he was like learning things, it's like, okay, I taught you that. And then that felt like, uh, that felt to me like pride, which is really cool. <laughs> player I thought <laughs> <laughs> no, yeah. what was growing up like for you like is your was your family like the mom does most of the work me with the kids and then was it old school so my mom uh some my my parents had me and my sister and shortly after my sister was born um she my mom like left her job and just like opened up a like an in-home daycare and so she kind of took care of me and my sister and like some neighborhood kids and and it was awesome like it was one of the like a really cool experience like my dad i forgot what he what he did for work way back then but like we just got tons of time with her until we got old, old enough that we were going to school my sister went to school then my mom went back to work I mean, she was still working the whole time, like running the daycare. Um, but it was very like, it was a, you know, traditional in that sense. Like, you know, the wife stays, you know, stays home, cooks and cleans, you know, watches the kids type of thing. But I think for them, especially the conversation that I've had with my parents now, now that I'm a parent, because they talked about it. It was just like, that was kind of the, what they had to do because, you know, <laughs> my mom said one time I was at one of the daycares which kind of prompted her to start her own. One of the daycares, um, they had gotten a call because I had like led a bunch of kids outside of the gate, out, out like in the yard of the gate of this daycare. And we were like following, <laughs> following down the street. Like I was just like, I guess a natural born leader, like literally leading kids down the street. And so they thought it was, I mean, it's not funny at the time, but like, it was kind of funny to me that it was like, yeah, yeah I was like, Oh, that's cool. I, I mean, I don't remember that. Like, I was probably four at the time. Like, I don't, I don't remember it. But so I think it was just one of those like, this is what we have to do. <laughs> you know, like, no, there's no way we're trusting bad Ricky. You know, and you know, and I was like, I was, I was, I was a very naughty child for sure. Right, Ricky.
you yeah, yeah he probably DJ'd a daycare somewhere, yeah. you know? You're like, oh, yeah, I'm busting out these tunes. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that's, yeah. So what, how is your, how is your wife raised or what is her, um, cause, oh my gosh, your whole life changes, right? Once you give birth to guilt, which is really what you do when you have kids, you just give all the bad. I always feel like I'm, I felt way more pressure than Matt did. And maybe it's cause Matt, his childhood was so chaotic that just the fact that we we're all in the same house and breathing and not beating on each other was a step up for him, you know? But, um, yeah, I just, as a mom, you always think I'm wrecking this kid. I'm wrecking this kid. I have no idea what's going on. And, uh, you know, there's so many unsaid things where to communicate with your husband, like I want him to just know what to do and I shouldn't have to micromanage a man and children you know what i mean all of these things but um how's she handling this i think that's that's definitely i mean we've probably in the last like week and a half we've been having a lot more conversations about that of just because she's been on her maternity leave and so like this is like my i think my third week of paternity leave so she's kind of like literally navigating like all right this is life this is how you do all the things so we've been better at now or at least I'd be better at listening of like, okay, you know, I need to be more aware. Just, all right, cool. She's washing dishes, kids crying, respond to the kid or, or off to wash dishes. Like just be more present and more mm -hmm. aware of that. Because I think to your point, like, she's just like, yeah, I just, these are just, I'm, I'm just doing all the things. And when I come home at five or whatever time I get home from work, then it's like, okay, then it's my time. Then it's my time to shine. I'm doing dinner, putting them down you know, the bedtime routine, like I'm work, like I have like my things, but then I only want to do my things. And then when I need to do anything that's not my thing, like, like bath time, I'm like, I don't want to do that. And then she's like, what do you mean you don't want to do that? And I was like, I don't want to do that. And then it's like this image becomes this huge fight. Like, I was like, what do you mean? Like, doesn't he has to take a bath? Like, yeah. like, I shouldn't always have to be the one to give him a bath. I'm like, well, but you're so good at it. You know, and then like going back to the oh. trying to like, how do I smooth this over so I don't have to do something that I don't want to do, but I want to feed. Like I, like I have the things that I like, like I change diapers. I'm a pro. Like I'm like in and out, getting up, not getting peed on. Like, it's like, yeah, I want to do the things that I'm good at, but I don't want to do the things that I think I'm not good. Like I haven't given them bath yet. So I don't know that I'm not good at it, but I'd rather not find out. <laughs> you, know how, you know how you get, how you get better at giving bath? What's that? You do them. Yeah. <laughs> Dude, you'll end up liking it, yeah. especially like uh, once they once they can sit on their yeah. own, mm -hmm. and then they're like playing with toys. And then once they get to that point, then you're just irrelevant. You're just there to like observe, right? You know, because they'll just, you know. But then when they get to like Kinsley's age, where uh, she's uh, what babies? She'll she'll be three in May. She's just like destroy everything in the bathroom, like. You know, so now you're like before you you go through this phase where like they're fully dependent on everything that you do in the bathtub uh -huh. to to now you're just observing them, make sure that they don't drown. Right. And then it gets to observing them to make sure that they don't drown because they're doing some crazy shit. <laughs> you know, and I get a ton of anxiety when when baby like stands up in the tub. I can't. Oh, I just can't. I just I'm like, baby, sit down. And she, it's like. 
she'll like pretend she'll just go down and then she'll go right back up and yeah that's but yeah you worry about every everything they do when they're little but you can control that turns out and my mom always said bigger kids bigger problems and i thought how could that possibly be i literally am putting out fires i'm not i'm literally putting them out like <laughs> out the window one time and uh my youngest had piled up all these snap it things in the in the um not the ashtray but the burn bucket or whatever anyway he had them all piled up he had match and he was right about to light all of these little powder <laughs> in them you know and i'm like no oh my gosh so i caught him just in time and i was like okay this is a great experiment we can do this let's just get some stuff and maybe move our face away because that's going to be your money maker so we got you know protect this stuff but it gets way easier. I think, and my kids have never seen us drinking. They've seen me alcoholism when I quit going to meetings because I thought I needed to put my kids first and um, lost my mind. And I'm not somebody who raises my voice, but I was like, I was so miserable and depressed. I was yelling at my kids. I hated myself. And then I'd hate myself more. And then, um, unfortunately, well, a fortunate uh fortunately i was the problem so when i then like i probably tried to do that for a year and a half or two years not go to meetings and then when i went back to meetings um you know i suddenly was myself again and i could be patient and i could be the mom i wanted to be but i always said well i don't have a babysitter my husband works out of town i don't have a babysitter and i need to do this and this but my cousin, who's not alcoholic, I love her to death. Every Tuesday for 15 years, she came to my house and watched my kids every Tuesday. And it's just a matter of like, I have to put my recovery before my kids. It sounds silly, but I really do. Otherwise, I'm not the parent I want to be. And so I have to make those things because there's just not, uh, whether it's right or wrong, there's not a lot of meetings you can take your kids to. And, um, and that's a good thing because I need to be there for me instead of micromanaging this kid while I'm trying to listen, while I'm trying to, if I can do it, I need to be there for, for me. And so just to be responsible enough to set up something that's regular, set up childcare, um, that's inexpensive or a family member or something. But <clears throat> my kids were the first used to skip out on recovery and they were the first ones to pay for and it just is heart-wrenching it's heart-wrenching but to have um to have gone so they have seen um alcoholism or addiction just not in the way that we were using i was here in miserable form um but there's so many things to parenting that are amazing and there's so many things that like big things have to learn um i was um i learned quickly or my husband told me he said smart things every now and then but i he would get he's a he's kind of gruff when he's like trying to prove a point and he's got this resting bitch face that could just it stops people in their tracks you know they're like 
oh my god is he gonna kill me or was that a joke i don't know because it's you were so dry but <clears throat> anyway so he can be intimidating especially to kids and so when he's like knock it off you know immediately they're in which makes me want to like interject and be like matt okay i think what they were trying to do and i try and juggle this so that everybody's happy and then finally one day he just said you need to let me have my own relationship with my this is going to be mine i don't you know what i mean like you're getting in the middle you're making it harder so that what they see is that oh dad's gonna lose it he needs somebody to intervene and that's never the truth like if he ever overreacts he always apologizes we've always been super transparent with our kids out of complete ignorance like literally we say okay i I don't know what I'm doing. I've never done this before, so I don't know what to do next, you know? And um and like <clears throat> I my mother-in-law who is really smart and great with kids gave us a book called like positive parenting or something like that when the boys were little. And it changed how we parent from the way we were parented to just focusing on the positive. What are they doing right? Ignore the negative because if you if I tell like oh my gosh i love how you cleaned your room 20 minutes later charlie's room is clean and he's like do you want to come in here and see something you know what if i monitor him like clean your room you gotta clean your room then i sound like a bitch they hate me for nagging and nothing gets done you know what i mean and it's just like i the sound of my own voice over and over and one of the other huge things i learned was one time i caught myself saying you are making me so frustrated and <clears throat> i could just see in their eyes how heavy that was and it's yeah. like oh my god i just put my feelings on my kids i just told them you're responsible for how i feel which in turn would mean that later in life they're just the victim of other people they don't have to ever whatever you know and <clears throat> i we've always said like we have one rule in this house don't be a dick really and that's it it covers everything just be kind no matter what and my mom was always concerned like how are you going to teach morals and values if you don't take them to church and i thought well i don't know but i'm gonna give it a shot and uh you just model it you don't have to scare them into being good people just be good people and then and talk to them and i don't know how we got so lucky um, no, you guys got like super i'll tell you exactly how you got lucky is when we were over at your house the other day and i was watching matt i've always i've always looked up to matt matt's always been like i mean literally looked up to him because yeah. he's way taller than me and side note if you've ever been to the hoovenin's house all their their tabletop <laughs> and stuff are like up to here <clears throat> i felt, felt like i was at a bar because all the and the chairs are super tall and they're just like normal for them so like for me i felt like i was in like santa's little village you know whatever yeah uh, anyway um just just fine yeah. she was like oh yeah house is made for was, me too like well, yeah. okay <laughs> everything the, even the utensils were like as big as my arms they were just like okay. but uh, <laughs> uh so anyways i was watching matt and matt did something that i that I have not seen a lot of other dads do. I do it, uh, but he just randomly hugs his kids out of nowhere. Yeah. Just out of nowhere. He'll just walk up to them and start hugging them. 
and holding them for like a long period of time. And then they just move away from each other. Like it's not, <clears throat> you know, it's so, it probably seems, I mean, at least from, you know, before, like my dad never would have done that. My right. dad, you know, he, he rarely told me that he loved mm -hmm. me. You know what I mean? Like it was, he had such a hard time doing it that he invented ways of saying it without having to say it. Yeah. You know what I mean? He'd just yeah. be like, how about those bears or whatever? I'm like, oh, he's saying I love you, I guess. But, you know, so anyways, I was just, I was watching Matt and I just, I saw him like three times just randomly walk up to the kids and hold them and then just walk away and went back about his business. And it's like, I think as people who've been impacted by the justice system or have been in, I mean, I've been tased by police to maced and inside jail cells to whatever like you just kind of build up this this uh this this another layer of yourself or whatever and you just don't want to let anyone in because there's so many people have just like either hurt you or authorities hurt you or your dad's left or whatever and so when you know when you see something like that and you start doing it it like changes you internally because of the physical touch associated with it this is why you know, I went to Pelican Bay prison like five, six years ago, met guys that were in the shoe for for years and years. I met one guy who was in there for 12 years. And like, just imagine 12 years without any human touch. Oh, you know what I mean? Ugh, so it's really important. That's why I was like, when I saw Matt doing that, that is literally the opposite of solitary confinement yeah you know it is like like the polar opposite and you're going to get results from it and that's why i believe you know with all that human touch and actual genuine care why your kids are the way they are yeah and, and matt really is the the leader in that because we were you know i think just our parents um they just didn't do that a lot like um i don't think Anybody told my dad they loved him because he's one of 12. It's just like, well, can you walk? You can work. We're good. I told you I loved you once. If it changes, I'll let you know. <laughs> and, you know, that kind of thing. But, um, and I, yeah. And I really like, I think in recovery, you, you learn to um, forgive everybody, which allows you to let your kids, give your kids room to fail. And I want them to experience enough heartache so that they're humble. But, I also want them to succeed, but mostly I just want this to be a place where they can come and be okay, be themselves. And, and I want them to go try shit in the world and then come back and be like, well, that didn't work. Now what do I do? Bad idea. Not saying anything, you know? Uh, and one of the most humbling moments with Jack, cause Jack was our first kid. Um, well, I have, one story before that, that Matt screwed up. And oh my God, did he screw this up? Anyway, Jack <laughs> behavioral problems in school because he's very black and white and his classmates sometimes wouldn't listen to the teacher. So he just like put him in a locker. I mean, it just, you know, that's how you solve problems like that. Anyway, so he went to the principal every day until Christmas of first grade or whatever. And so I'm in tears. I'm thinking this kid's never going to have friends. What am I doing wrong? I've broken him you know, all of this stuff. And so we have to go to this meeting and it's me, Matt, the school psychologist, the teacher, the principal. Um, 
a para, anyway, all of these professionals in the school that we are going to have to be at for a long time. And we sit down to talk about Jack and um, Matt opens with this. He goes, well, you know, his mom and I are alcoholic. And I was like, what the fuck? Now we have to move. Oh my God. He's like, well, I said we're in recovery. I'm like, nobody heard that. Nobody will ever <laughs> murdered him. Jesus. So it was just like, well, now we got to move. I don't know what we're going to do. But, but uh, nobody the heard that. <laughs> nobody hears the good part of drama. Nobody. They probably all went like, Oh, <laughs> well, meeting, yeah, I'm sure they were like, well, you're gonna have to get your kid out of this school system. But, um, uh. Jack is definitely, he was a great first kid to have because he, he, he tried everything out. Like when I grew up, you played sports and that's what made you like, that was what cool kids did. That's what the people, if you didn't do that, you're pretty much berated and teased. And that's always my fear that my kids will be. Uh, emotionally damaged. I don't really care if they have a black eye that can fix. But um, anyway, so uh, Jack tried football and he, he was like, I didn't want to hurt anybody. And like, well, you can't play if you're not, you know, if you're not going to hit people. And then he tried all the sports. He just didn't like them. And then he found um, D and D and Pokemon. And I remember calling my sponsor and saying, Oh my God, my ego cannot handle this. I don't want my kid to be that kid and get teased and made fun of. I just, and, you know, um, I just remember uh, they said, well, that's not the hand you're dealt. So you be the best D&D mom you can be. And so, um, so I thought that you're right. right. I'm going to do that. But we made a whole basement for this thing. We made a table specifically for D&D. We have all this, all these things. And I just thought, Every time the kid, he has five buddies, five buddies, I think, yeah, I love them to death. And whenever they come over, they laugh and laugh and laugh. And um, we made them every week for the last five years or something. They come over, they stay overnight, y'all eat supper. It's uh, such a gift. And he had, and what I really wanted, what I was afraid he wouldn't have was a group of friends. That's what I was afraid of. I was afraid he wouldn't find a group friends and in spite of myself he met the most amazing the coolest kids that are out there you know and they they all come here and they don't knock they walk in which I love they walk to the fridge they see what I mean it's just like I couldn't want a cooler I don't know so I just have to be willing to learn new things and know that like I'm not right all the time and I want my kids to be able to talk about stuff um with us and I know there's stuff like I asked Sawyer yesterday I'm like do you feel like you can talk to us about stuff and he goes well there's some stuff that I'm gonna just tell my buddies and I'm like you know that's good I you know that's good you should have your private stuff yeah. or whatever <laughs> I asked that to Bracken the other to the other day I was like so I mean you I was like do you you feel good talking to me like are, are you good like can we talk about like if you would you tell me if you did something that you didn't want to tell tell me, <laughs> and he's he's like yeah 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 I probably do that and I was like okay 
is that a yes? I don't know if that's a yes. Like it's, a, you know, he's like, you know, so now he's like 14 and girls are interesting. And, yeah. you know, like we're getting to the point where it's, it's time, you know, like to talk about real shit, you know? So it's just, <clears throat> it's, it's going to be interesting. Cause I missed all that with Nick, you know? So it's like with Brecken, a lot of this stuff is a first for me. And then, you know, with, with baby and even Gatling or whatever there, that's a lot of first for me too, because I, I missed a lot of that stuff with Brecken, mm -hmm. you know, cause I was, you know, still drinking. And so it's like, you know, I got to 23, there is as much age gap between me and my grandma as there is between me and baby. <laughs> well, Just, yeah. So my grandma's 80, I'm 40, baby's two. Yeah. Right. Yeah. You know, you know what I mean? Like I'm, I'm like a grandpa, like you know, doing you know. But you'll see this a lot with guys who sober up after when they get sober in their 30s or 40s, or if they got locked up, you know, the majority of their 20s and 30s. Like they're having kids in their 40s, you know, or getting married when they're like you know 45, 50, and then having kids because, you know, life was put on. Not for everybody else, right? They had to deal with the damages of life with us not being there, but life was paused for us. And then we came out or we got sober and it was like, you know, now we're like, <laughs> now we're like doing stuff that we were, we should have been doing in our early twenties yeah, you know, or whatever. But I think in general, most people are waiting to have kids and get married more than, you know, I mean, I think my grandma got married when she was like 17. You know, and then my mom got married when she was in her 20s and then, you know, and had kids. And now I'm like, I had kids when I was 17, not by like, per, you know, I wasn't like my grandma and like planned it. You know, it was like, oh, well, that's what <laughs> happens when you do that. So, you know, uh, so I don't know. It's, it's interesting because a lot of the stuff that I think people already know how to do or have been through when they were in their later 20s or early 30s or whatever, like I'm going through it in my 40s. Yeah. And so, but I'll tell you, I've had a kid when I was 40 and I've had a kid when I was 17. And I, <laughs> I would, take, I would take the mindset that I have when I'm 40, but I would take the body that I had when I was 17. <laughs> Cause it was like, I, everything hurts and I'm tired all the time. And I have to get up at least twice to pee in the middle of the night. So that's nice. It's kind of like monitoring the kids, you know, I get up, take a piss, go check on the kids, go back to bed. <laughs> like the like accidental warden you know <laughs> yeah that's funny oh yeah there's a lot of things that yeah that come with parenting especially in recovery and i think you just don't have to know with parenting you don't have to know any of the answers you just have to be i think just like in recovery be transparent enough to learn from your kids and learn and talk to your significant other and put your recovery first and and have friends like oh my gosh my girlfriend saved my i say things to them that could probably put me in jail you know about frustrations and whatever and they're just like well if you need me to bring the matches we'll burn her down you know so you just need all of those things and um Another huge thing with kids was that uh, the consequences had to make sense. You know, like the consequences had to make sense. Because I'd be like, well, why are we even 
So they did this. We're putting him in timeout. That doesn't make any sense. Like natural consequences will cover most of their actions, especially now that they're older. They get punished by society. And then they, I want them to come back here and be able to cry about it, not get punished again, you know. And, I shaved uh, my brother's head <laughs> when I was a kid. And my dad spanked the shit out of me for it. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like I look back at it and I'm like, his you know, because I'd be, I'd be like, I don't want to get a haircut. My dad would be like, your hair's going to grow back. It's not a big deal, right? And then I shaved my brother's head because it's not a big deal, <laughs> right? And then he spanked me for it. And I was like, as he's spanking me, I'm like, his hair's going to grow back. <laughs> <laughs> but I'll tell you, I knew because of like how extreme my dad was about punishments that I was going to get spanked. So I wore sweatpants underneath my pants. And he, he went back and he hit me with that leather belt across my ass. And I looked back at him and smiled. Ooh. <laughs> that was mistake. He pulled down my pants and then he was like, he saw the sweatpants. He's like, oh, you're going to get it now, boy. <laughs> Bare ass. And I never laughed at my dad again, you know. But, like, I just try, I think about, like, what you were saying, Kirsten, like, the natural consequences. I, like... I usually get spanked all the time when I was yeah. a kid because my parent, my brother rarely got spanked, but yeah. me, he, I was like, my parents just could not, my, especially my dad just couldn't comprehend how to teach a boy who wouldn't listen. Yeah. They did, yeah. They did what they knew. Yeah. And so that's what he did. And I don't, you know, I can, I think, you know, I've, I've done a, you know, get their attention swat on the butt or whatever. Uh, but nothing like a spit, like, uh not even that that's even rare i think i've done it twice yeah you know and it's like a pat on the butt to be like hey listen you know yeah but outside of that my kids have never been as far as i remember never been spanked you know by by their art like us or whatever i mean there might have been something when i was still drinking you know that i i just can't comprehend or remember but um and they're turning out great yeah, like I, I was totally. really worried about that, that not speaking my kids or whatever, like I, they were going to just be juvenile delinquents. But then I was like, wait a minute, my dad used to beat the shit out of me. Yeah. <laughs> and I ended up in jail and juvie and, you know, all that stuff. Uh, <laughs> but you're right, the natural consequences, even the natural, like, consequences of social ex experiments or whatever, yeah. where you and I'm not condoning, you know, fighting by any means right. but when there's kids in school and they're pecking and pecking and pecking at on kids and then they that kid responds and then puts them in their spot or whatever like nobody really needs to get involved it figures itself out a lot of times yeah you know? for sure and, yep. and i'm not saying they shouldn't be punished by any means i'm just saying that i think we 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 really just don't think through the natural consequences and how how helpful they really are yeah and what they're going through like they're already suffering some especially when they're older the social part is so hard for them and so i just don't want to be another person to be like well why did you do that you know what i mean and because their answer really is i have no idea i do not know <laughs> and so it'd be like okay well all right so you hit a kid and matt's behind me going that kid deserved it and i'm like violence is not the answer but he, uh, 
anyway, so we're like, let's just, what else could you have done instead, maybe, you know, instead of popping off? Because then you're being a dick and you're breaking our rule, you know? Um, yeah. But every night from five to seven, I make the kids hang out with me. They, they're over it now, but they used to be like, can we please be done early? Oh my God. I don't, I can't stand another minute because I make them do their homework and cook with me and play a game. And um, I'm like, you want to pick a game or you want me to? Because I'll pick Risk and you'll pick Yahtzee. <laughs> the <laughs> oldest game. We're never, never playing Dungeons and Dragons either. Oh. We will never pick that game. Yeah. Uh, We're playing Risk. Oh, that's great. But they're, they're, they're so to parenting just know enough to know you don't know and ask and put your recovery first is like yeah it's got to come first and talk to your spouse go on dates continue to have sex i mean just like do normal things you know yeah. <clears throat> or it's weird oh, i already got but, the clear so oh wait oh you're saying in general yep yep exactly in general to everyone <laughs> <laughs> Right. I gotta go shovel. I gotta get us out of this this yeah. hole that we call the snow apocalypse. So mm -hmm. I appreciate you guys. Yeah, I'm glad we were able to do this. Thanks everybody for tuning in. This was fun. Yeah, yeah we'll, we'll be back on the radio next week. Uh, Ninety-five nine KRFF LPFF. Right, that's what it's called. Mm -hmm. yep. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> this is why Ricky's on here. He's organized. So. Uh, and we'll be on the radio next week. I don't know if we'll get a recording out of this uh, today, but I'll, I'll try and uh, we'll put it on the podcast. But be sure to follow us on any platform. We're on most of them and, uh, and tune in on 8 o'clock on uh, Wednesday mornings on Facebook Live and 95.9. Sounds good. Love you. Love you. Bye. Bye.